when I was at Forest and Birmingham, Opta Pro was brilliant at getting all the technical information off and you could use it to differentiate players and what's more suited to you, but we, we don't really have that at this level, so we have to try and create our own data. So we've brought the scouts in and the scouts are now going act as like data collectors for us a little bit. Hello and welcome to another episode of This Football Life. I'm your host, Josh Schneiderweiler, and on this show, I speak with players, coaches, scouts, agents, and more to give you a behind-the-scenes look at football. Today, I'm joined by Head of Analysis and Recruitment for Solihull Moors, Craig Cope. Cope has worked in analysis for several clubs in the EFL, notably Notts County, Nottingham Forest, and Birmingham City. However, today we're going to focus on his role as head of recruitment. His club, Solihull Moors, are in the National League, a.k.a. England's fifth division. So I wanted to find out how does he recruit and identify talent in non-league football? How does he gather data when companies like Opta don't work in non-league? And Cope will answer all of these questions and also how he went from being a university student to leading a professional club scouting department in less than seven years. If you'd like to reach out to Craig and let him know what you thought of this episode, his Twitter handle is at Craig underscore Cope. And additionally, if you like this episode or any of the previous ones, please tell a friend, family member, or colleague as it is the best way to promote the show. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Craig Cope. I'm in Solihull Moors uh, with Craig Cope. Uh, I apologize if you hear some construction. Uh, we're doing it by the stadium, and uh, they're doing all sorts of works here. So if you hear that, my apologies. But it's so nice to be with you, Craig. Uh, it is Thursday, transfer deadline day. Although, as you mentioned to me just recently, uh, you know there is no transfer uh, transfer deadline day for non-league clubs. But anyway, how's your day? Uh, how's it? How's it going? It's really good, thank you. Um, yeah, it's interesting watching all the Premier League transfers going through knowing that um, we've still got a bit of time to do our business and we can go on all the way through the season and do some business I think it cuts off on the 28th of March so yeah we, we can trade players um, within the non-league as and when required yeah well I mean next year you might be in this position where you are on uh, you know transfer deadline day if you end up uh, getting promoted so uh, we shall see <laughs> hope so um, you know even though you're not involved in, uh, you know, kind of the transfer window, that doesn't mean that you're not active uh, during the summer. So what is the, you know, summer transfer window like uh, for you? Obviously, you're the head of recruitment. Um, So, you know, can you kind of tell me when that process starts for you? We obviously identified the summer as a time to bring players in because the season's finished. And like most other clubs, people probably want their players in earlier rather than later so we can work with them for the whole of pre-season so we started planning for the summer just before Christmas so I came in the end of September last year the the club was on an, an upward curve in terms of results had just stayed up the year before um, when I first came in we, the remit was um, just to stay up but we had an unbelievable season we realised the squad was probably better than what we assumed it would be Um we had a couple of strategy meetings and we said, actually, no, we want to compete at the top end of this league. So then our targets changed. Um, our remit changed in terms of recruitment and then we went and started planning, like I said, just before Christmas for the summer. 
Um, we brought in two, a couple of players just before Christmas to bolster to the end of the season. Um, but then I didn't. We thought we brought one player in in March, just to add for that just for that cut off date I spoke about, just to add to the numbers just going into the running. Um, unfortunately, we didn't go up, but we did have a list of players. As soon as that final whistle went here against Fylde, we had a list of players going uh, going target. And our work started immediately on approaching those players, talking to agents, talking to clubs if they were still attached with clubs. And we were very aggressive and proactive with our recruitment, um, signing one of the top striker in the league last year, fighting off a lot of competition for him. How how do you go about scouting players? Obviously, in this day and age, there's so many, there's so much technology and so many different tools that can help you. So, how do you go about identifying players in in the non-league? We have a very um, good pool of scouts. So when I came in, I got given a budget to go and um, bring some scouts in and target some key areas of the country, like geographically. So we had a meeting just about November time. And I thought, actually, we need to probably do things a little bit differently. What what can give us an edge or what, what can help us to, to sign players more suited to the manager's philosophy? Now, that the first week I was in here I sat down with the manager and spoke to him what he wants how he wants to play what players he wants to bring in um, that will help his style of play and help him coach during the week so I I got that and I sat in the office with myself for a couple of days and I thought right we're going to start look what what statistics and what data can I get my hands on at this level now there's not a great lot you know there's not a great lot about um, when I was at Forest and Birmingham Opta Pro was brilliant at getting all the technical information off and you could use it to differentiate players and what's more suited to you but we, we don't really have that at this level so we have to try and create our own data so we've brought the scouts in and the, the scouts are now going act as like data collectors for us in a little bit um, but still keeping that knowledge of the game and still keeping that um, notational information they've got and so we, we try and cross over both I don't, I don't really say old and new, but like just, just a different way of looking at things. So um, I've just shown you a couple of the ratings there and how we do things here. And um, though all the information will be collected and then we'll have meetings with the manager and I'll say, look, Gaffer, this, this, this player's been a high scorer in our index the last two or three times we've watched him. Um, if a player's consistently high scoring, then I will go and watch the player. Um, we still get a lot of tip-offs, so it's not just casting the net and sending scouts to random games. We get we get local people call up who we've got connections with. The assistant managers had a very good um, career and recruitment record in non-league, so we've got a lot of contacts. So we, we follow up on most of the tip-offs we have, especially if they're from trusted sources. We'll go and get them, but we'll still scout them in this way. We also monitor our own players in this way, our young players and our players out on loan. So we can say, actually, this player's scored this on average over five games. We like him, but actually, have we got a player in-house already that is similar, better, or should we not bring that player in? Does that make sense? Yeah, well, I want to you know, kind of talk about the, the, the ratings and the scores that you just said. So you showed me this document that had, uh, you know, I'm looking at it right now, and like it has all of these statistics, or it has this, it says score and it'll be a number from more or less 100 and like 10 to 160. What, what is that number and how is that number calculated? Okay, so the scouts get given a 
empty match template um, and then depending on what position the player plays they're watching I will ask them to rate on their opinion the player's ability or the variables we're looking for that makes them a Solihull Moors player we're not saying this player's good or this player's bad we're saying this player's probably suited to play for our manager and our style of play so that that numerical figure is relative to you yes. not to the how player's good, ability yeah in general yeah. yeah yeah so without the use of the technical information that Opta would provide at a championship level or even I think I've started tapping into League 1 and League 2 now or an Instat or Scout, we um We've got to try and gather data a different way rather than me and Megan, who's the first team analyst, coding thousands of matches a week. And some games at our level, you don't get video for, you you can't access the footage. Um, It is still, in essence, a scouting opinion of a player. But I'd like to think with the the ratings, we can identify players that are better suited to how we want to play football. and so how many scouts do you normally have kind of working throughout the country um, on a, you know, informal basis? Because I know, you know, you don't have the funds to be doing this, you know, having scouts full time for you. Yeah. So a lot of um, all, all of our scouts are casual. They're scattered around the country um, and, and some are through contacts. It's like um, who the manager has and he wants to do a bit of work for us. So a few of them are trying to get into football. So see scouting as a route into football. A few of them are have worked in football and have had enough. So they've gone into other lines of work, but they still want that Saturday feeling. So we've we've got a good mixture. We advertised some in the summer and I brought I brought two or three in. Um we have, I think, just looking at it now, we have about nine casual scouts. Um a few that we use regularly. Um, so I'll, if we watch an opposition team, I watch most of the opposition um, and a feedback to the manager. But if for whatever reason I can't watch an opposition game, we have scouts like tiered. So those two will go and watch North and South. Yeah. Um, and the rest are mainly for recruitment purposes. Yeah. Um, and they are, like I say, they're, they're casual, but they've all I present them all with a pack um, about how we do things, how we scout um, I'll try and have a phone conversation with them after every game we go to so like last week I went to Torquay which was um, a long way um, great location but it was a long way down especially on the 1st August of uh, the first weekend in August sorry so um, there's a lot of traffic going down there for the holiday makers so I just spent the time calling up the scouts that have been out that day and just getting a feel for what they've been to see and the teams they've watched or the players they've watched and then I can go straight back to the manager who's on the coach back from Harrogate mm. and just give him a brief update. This is what's happened this week. This is how Torquay played. We, we beat him here Tuesday 3-0. Um, so, yeah, just... I try and have a lot of communication with the scouts. Um, but they... Some of them see it as a route into football. Some of them see it as uh, keeping in football. Yeah. But they are very, they're a very good bunch of scouts and you know, we're lucky to have them, to be fair. One of the things about... Um, you know, what makes your role so interesting is you come from a, an analysis background and you're taking it into recruitment. And so I, I wonder what skills or kind of um, experience in your analysis has really prepared you to do well in this recruitment role. 
And, you know, where, where have you seen kind of the follow-up from that? So I think Joe mentioned it on the podcast last week. Analysts watch a lot of games. So many games. Um, and you have to be obsessed about it. You have to. And when I started at, at Cheltenham on my own, after I was with Joe at Birmingham originally, I went, I went to Cheltenham. And I think it was when a second or third manager come in, I started getting involved in the recruitment side of things. He was like, you watch a lot of games, who do you think's a good player? Who do you think would suit my style of play? Like, I never really thought about recruitment in that way until until those questions were asked. Um, I just wanted to code games, do a really fancy report, do a really good video, and that'd be me done. But then I started getting asked questions, and I started to produce basic profiles on players. So I was getting phone calls at like one o'clock in the morning off a manager saying, right, I want to sign this player get me a profile in for the morning I'm going to see the chair and I've just been to run into the country to watch him so I started to get a little bit of an information about that um, then he left and the next one came in and I was involved in the recruitment as well what players have you seen what what players do you think we can bring in have you got any recommendations and then um, I went to Notts County again similar sort of thing I was being asked I thought oh, this is different and then um, I went to Birmingham with Joe and because I was watching all the opposition games at Birmingham, Joe was like, right, I want a list of players in each position that you see this season that you think suits the way um, the Gaffer wants to play football and the way we play and things could make us better. And so that's what we was doing. We'd, I was making a list. I was talking to Joe every week. I was talking to the manager. And I thought, actually, with the, with the skills we pick up from analysis and especially like using the laptop and being computer literate, there's other things we can tap into as well. One, we watch all the games. Two, we've got access to all the video footage. Three, we've got access towards um, for all the technical data that we've touched upon. We're actually probably really well suited to find information on players and to have a judgment on a player. But so now that you're, you know, you're head of recruitment though, but you, you've mentioned that it's not even easy to get video and, and the players that you're scouting. So how how do you find it trying to scout players that you don't have video for, you don't have stats for, and you're really just going off of one casual, as you said, casual scout? So that's what we do. So either me at a game, I'll go and watch a game and I might see a player that I like, or we'll follow up with a tip-off. We'll watch a player once. If, if the report comes back, Good, positive, we'll get him watched again. Um, we usually watch him two, at least three times before I'd go and watch him or a member of the management staff would go and watch him. Um, it is tough to get video footage, but there are ways around it. So some clubs, well, most clubs now will um, put clips on their YouTube channel. So you can sometimes get some footage off there or you can ask them for the footage, say you're you know, looking to play from the opposition team and... They go, oh yeah, I have the footage. So there's stuff like that. Um, we won't discard, completely discard a player after one. Um, Wait, so just to follow up, you, you said you would ask the team and say like, oh, I'm looking for an opposition player. Yeah, and potentially, just say, yeah. And just say like, oh, can you send me the film? Okay, yeah. Yeah, and that, that works sometimes. And to fact, the player might be playing for the opposition. So, yeah. um, But we won't discard a player after after one watch either. Um, if the players come from a trusted source we might get them watched again or if the players 
Um, we see like his goal tallies going up, or his, his team are keeping clean sheets. If he's a defender, we, we keep all that. You get all that sort of information off Twitter. Um, so yeah, that that's how we really would do something like that, and how that's how we go about scouting and so, identifying players at this level. So you signed a twenty-year-old winger this summer, uh, Ben Usher. Uh, ben Usher Shipway. Uh, so, how many times, like, would you see? Uh, did you see him? Um, with Ben, we actually had a tip-off. So, this is a good example. We had a tip-off um, that was given to our assistant manager, and then we sent a scout to watch him in just after I started, actually. So, it would have been. So, do you feel like there's any kind of unique approach that you're taking uh, that is? you know noticeably different from other teams uh in in the non-league or i mean because there is so much room to honestly try different things because honestly at the end of the day like your, your budget isn't that big so you have to kind of be creative um so have you found like, have you seen anything noticeably different that you guys are doing or i don't think we're trying to reinvent the wheel i don't think we're trying to do anything amazingly different i just i just trying to think we're being smart and using the information that we have at our disposal and using the like, the tools we have, although limited at this level, to find the players that could best suit our style of play and to make uh, the team more effective and hopefully win more matches. Um, don't know many other recruitment departments in non-league. Obviously, every club's got one, but I don't know them personally. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what they are or what, what they're not doing. Um, from my analysis background and using the data I have done before, I thought, how what's the best I can get some data here and actually measure what we're looking for. And it'll only tell if it works, if we've finished the season well or the next season's done well. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so how far does the technical data go? I mean, you get, you get goals, assists. Like, how much further does it go right now at non-league level at non-league level um, we get, we get, uh, do you get some information from Y-Scout um, do you y get like expected goals or yes we, we get Y-Scout do a version of expected goals um, per, per, uh, per player no no per, just per team per team yeah so yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a team one you can draw some information off Y-Scout in terms of team performance um, into an Excel sheet you can have there is a lot of information of individual players um, but the, the time would take transfer from the PDF to the, X, the Excel sheet you're, you're probably three days behind and yeah. you're missing out on the opposition report you're missing out on yeah no but for recruitment so you can like if you're scouting some guy um, yeah. you know on, on Aldershot you'll have I mean I guess that's what I'm trying to get into is if you're you know looking at some guy on Aldershot, just for example, you're going to see his goals, his assists. Are you going to see his expected goals, expected assists, his secondary, you know, assists? Yes, and so... Like, how far does that go for recruitment purposes? If I was to identify a target or, or three yeah. or four targets, I could go onto there and I could draw a short list up and have some technical data and I could have um, what we look for there. So we did a couple of some centre-backs in the summer. We looked at their goals because the way we play, especially our set players, we'd expect our centre-backs to get some goals. Um, we looked at the aerial duels, um, the ground challenges, tackles. So you can, you can go into all of that. Um, do have expected goals for 
individual players. If I was going to get, um, but that's a list I put together myself on Y Scout. So there's a tool there to go. I want to look at Callum Howe. I want to have a look at player A, player B, player C, and we could compare them that way. Yeah. But that's after I'd already identified the players we were going to. So you look so, at. But so was, you can't look on. Uh, using your software you can't look at sorry and i'm just so not used to it on the non-league side um so can you look and because one of the reasons that people like data and recruitment so much is it kind of helps them filter the the field and identify where should i start looking and then from there i can send my scouts to wherever but so can you do that and and say like you know i i want guys that um, have really good crossing ability. Let me look at the crossing stats on Y Scout and then see those. And then, okay, let me look at those 10 guys and then I can send my scouts to those 10 guys. Yeah. So, so you can filter at, the results. At national league level. Yeah. Anything below, you can't. So, um, National League up, you can. National League down, you can't. And just for the people listening, you guys are in the National League. We're so, in the National League, yeah. So your division is fine, but yeah. You can do it, um, and I do some rankings for each division, which are helpful as well, so you can see the best performance are. And some, so for the manager, from an analysis point of thing now, for the manager, I will give him an update on the league every six to ten games of what players are doing well, what players um, are high scoring in each position and um, from a, um, a technical data point of view as well as how teams are performing. and we, There's various websites we can access to um, that are public, public, publicly accessible that we can um, rip the data from as well and the information. But it's more team statistics rather than individual statistics. Okay, so like what sites are you referring to? Um, I don't actually know the names. <laughs> but I've got them all saved in my toolbar. It's like soccerstats.com. Okay, yeah. We use quite a lot. I like, I like soccerstats.com. We use Soccerway a lot. Yeah. I've, I've used stuff like Squawker and that before, but it, yeah. again, it's it's for higher up. Yeah, yeah. No, that I was just wondering, yeah, for that exact reason, because, uh, you know, on your level, it's, I imagine, much more difficult. Um, well, uh, let's talk a little bit about your journey, and we'll uh, kind of uh, end up talking about uh, your work as an, an analyst. Um, how did you get into football? My dad, really. My dad got me into football when I was younger, and we'd always go and watch our team with my brother. And then I, I went to university, and um, there was some jobs going or internships going and um, this is University of Worcester there's some internships going during my second year and one of them was going and work at Shrewsbury and I was over the moon I was like yeah I want it I've got no experience but I want to go in and I was pestering the lecturer I want to go and be an analyst I want to work at Shrewsbury I want to be a part of a football club and it never come off and I was gutted and then he said, right, because you've been pestering me, I'm going to give you an interview for Birmingham City. Just to go and be a volunteer. So it's up to you. I went, yeah. Um, and we had, I had an interview with um, two people and they give the position to someone else who was, had done a bit with cricket and a bit um, before. So I had no experience. This lad had experience. He's good and he is good. Um, but they said, just come and be a volunteer if you want to come and do a couple to help us out now and again. And I did, and I went there for a season. And then that's when I met Joe Carnell. Um, and then I got a 
text one night saying you can film the first team tomorrow. That's like all my Christmases come at once. I was filming the under tens and coding games for them and burning DVDs and that's when I first met Joe and I went and, I went and filmed the first team for Joe and then he just he just kept me on board then so I'd I'd go up to Huddersfield with my family to watch Birmingham play. My family would go in and watch a game, my dad and my brother, and I'd I'd go and film the game for Joe. Yeah. So that that's how I got into it, and then um, the chance come to go to Cheltenham and be on my own and be a first team analyst. And I didn't want to leave Birmingham. I was happy there as a volunteer. I was happy there, but Joe said to me, "No, right. If you're gonna have a career in this game, you need to go and like stand on your own two feet, sort of thing." And um, I did. I went to Cheltenham. I'd, I'd loved it down there, and that's sort of where I started. That's the early start stages of my career. And, so you're a Birmingham kid, you know, from yeah. from you know from uh, your your young days. Uh, so you go to uh, Cheltenham, but you know, I just want to before we go there, um, you know, a lot of there are a lot of people that you know graduate with you know the sports degree and sports analyst degree. Um, I know you have one. Uh, it's not a high paying role, especially once you start off. Um, and you know, you mentioned you were a volunteer um, and an intern, pretty much. So what? you know, financially, how, how did you make that work? Because I'm sure there will be people listening right now who are in that position. So I was very lucky in terms of I got chance to do the um, internship during my second year of university. So I was getting student finance. Now, I quit my job to go and be a volunteer at Birmingham. I, I quit. Um, I was working um, a shop in my hometown and um, I quit there to go and be a volunteer at Birmingham and it was tight but I put money I managed with the student finance I got um, which was supposed to stay towards my accommodation and all that I put towards petrol driving up to the training ground and making sure I was there on time and doing that sort of thing so and that was similarly with the third year at Cheltenham I got I got paid expenses at Cheltenham so that they were covering my my travel um, it is it is low paid until until you like get into a, probably a full time position or you get to a decent standard. It is low paid and you have to you, you do question yourself how much do I love this game? How much do, and I did at the time. I absolutely loved it, so I, I was fine with it. But I know a lot of people. And I've had interns since who have struggled with their financial implications and struggled with the day to day of it and have said this sentiment for me and that's fine so now I make sure I'm honest when I take interns on and when I when I talk to them try and give them the best chance possibly possible sorry I take I do have a sit down and have a deep conversation with them about look you need to make sure this is for you and I remember I hired a lad at Notts County um, and he was desperate to get into football and I said look with your experience you're good and I want to take you but I'm not going to take you until you sit down and have a chat with your parents and say and talk about the financial implications and talk about what's going to happen because I've, I've got no budget to bring you in there's no money there but you're my number one choice call me on Monday I'll give you the weekend and call me on Monday and he, and he did and his parents were really good about it and then he ended up going to Crawley as first team analyst he had a, he had a career out of that then so when you were at Cheltenham um, as a first team analyst your first like full time paid gig you know how much were you making? not a lot just well, I mean, just to give like an example, like, because, you know, not a lot. I mean, you don't have to give me the exact dollar, but like if you could give me a ballpark figure, just because, you know, to me, not a lot might mean different yeah, so to someone I was, else. I was on £60 a week expenses, okay. whatever whatever expenses I was putting in, which was roughly about £60 a week for the petrol getting down there. 
that's how much I was doing. If I did a bit of scouting. So even when you got your first time full time position, it was 60 pounds a week. So I was still at uni at this stage. Okay, I was yeah. I'm sorry. So I was still at uni. Um, or maybe your first full time when you weren't at like when you were outside of university. What like what was that? Not sure I'm allowed to say how much I was on, but it was no, no. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. have to give me the exact figure, like just like a ballpark. Like, what, we talking like fifteen hundred pounds a month, or like no, what? less. So you don't anywhere near the play, what the players earn and stuff like. Um, I'll go as far as saying I didn't, I didn't earn a full time living wage until I was at Notts County. Okay, so that was like what, like I think, I think I'm trying to like do it in my head, like what, three years in or four years in? So yeah, three years in. Yeah. So I was volunteer at Birmingham. I then went to Notts, uh, went to Cheltenham on expenses only. I did my master's degree in my second year at Cheltenham. Um, so I stood at technically at university and again I was on um, again, I was on expenses only and then I went to Notts County and I was earning a proper like a living wage when I went to Notts County properly full time okay uh, and so I, I know when you were at Cheltenham um, you know that was kind of the first time you were on your own two feet as you said um, but also at the time Cheltenham was actually quite progressive in their use of or this is apparently what I read online I'm, you know I wasn't in the room so I, you know you can correct me but uh it was relatively progressive at the time of using data and analysis. Um, so what kind of were your first lessons um, in the analysis world? Yeah, so when, when I first went to Cheltenham, it was all about learning about how to um, work with managers, how to work with coaches and players on my own two feet rather than have Joe there as the the go-between. And um, it was really good. And then we, we started, I started off using a lot of video the manager was massive on his his video, and we started to detail his presentations tactically and um, what he wanted. Opposition presentation we started to do, which they never really had before. They they were doing opposition presentations, but they was using the footage when they played them the season before. Okay, wow. It's obviously outdated and. Yeah. Um, and this is like 2014, right? Yeah. So like we're only talking about five years ago. You weren't even showing like video clips of that season yeah but then we since i came in we started doing that um i had a very very good relationship with the manager who was actually a manager here and kept the team up a couple of years ago and we, we sat down together and we started breaking teams down tactically putting videos together um we then looked at implementing data for our own tip only only some basic um data it's like shots goals appearances targets and like win percentages and stuff like that for each of our individual players and we put them on like a league table and um, show the players every month and it, it worked really well but we were just starting like little baby steps and taking it up um, so that was really my couple of years at Cheltenham so so you 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 know you get to Cheltenham you you have a couple of years on your own um, and and so at that point you go to Notts County what what was the kind of big turning point or big um one of maybe yeah a big turning point for you in your career so i uh i went to Notts county um loved my time there absolutely loved it i got some some of my best friends from that that time um but a manager came in called jamie fullerton and i'm okay today, so i've told him now um i didn't actually like him when he first come in and i thought oh no i don't i don't like this but he chucked me right outside my comfort zone um, with the stuff he was asking me to do so 
I remember his first day, I've, I've put a, a document on his desk, said, there you go, Mr. There you go, Gaffer. I've um, I've done a breakdown of our team. So you can see us, I want your report on Crawley. I went, oh, I don't do that. The, the chief scout does that. And he went, no, no, I want your report on Crawley. I was like, oh, I'm a backup, I don't mean like this. And then, um, but I, I said, that's probably one of the biggest turning points in my career. How like, I, I, my professionalism went up then. and Why? Just the pressure he was putting me on in a good way. And um, we had a chat the first couple of days he was in. We had a, we had a one-to-one in the office and he like asked about me, asked about what I want to do, what I want to be. And he went, that's right, then I'm going to push you. If that's what you want to be, I'm going to push you. And he'd, he'd, he'd worked um, a few championship clubs and he had a really good playing career. Um, so he, he really pushed me. He, he improved my tactical knowledge of the game. And yeah, the, the stuff I was producing there helped me go into Birmingham with Joe and produce what I was producing at Birmingham. The, the stuff that I did there at Notts County, that turning point. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for whatever reasons at Notts County with, with Jamie. Jamie moved on after that. But that, that two or three months with him was a real turning point, real took me outside of my comfort zone. And that's one of that's one of the turning points. Um, then working at Birmingham, everything's a step higher than what you've been doing before. Um, the information is easily accessible, but because the information is easily accessible, you've got more to do. Yeah, they expect the, more. Yeah, yeah, but you can do that. So your workload becomes not more, but different. Yeah. Um, because especially over there, you do a lot of stuff outside of your job remit um, so I remember one game at Cheltenham that the reserves played and I had to be um, I had to be a kit man <laughs> just just to help because that's what you have to do at, yeah. lower, like lower down and but at Birmingham like that, that's your role that's what I want you to do especially at Nottingham Forest when I worked um, when I went to work with Mark Warburton David Weir and Frank McParland that was another massive learning curve the the knowledge of those three and the goalie coach Jim as well the, the knowledge of those three was unbelievable every day was like a school day going in there I was so fortunate to just go and sit in and even on the meetings with um, David and would watch a video back and it, I just took so much from that tactical knowledge how to speak to players how to um, present and they, they just think about the game a little bit differently and it, it's really good to be around and I loved every minute of it, learning from those three, and I've, I've took a lot of that into what I do here. So, uh, such, such as what? I mean, like, just to be specific, like yeah, a detail so like, or like a pearl of, the, of wisdom. The use of the data. So before before I'd, I'd spout out loads of statistics, go, oh, yeah, he's good because of he does this, this and this, but actually is it relevant? And it's just, just asking simple questions like that because as analysts, we get loads and loads of information and we can make amazing diagrams and lists and pictures and whatever. But actually, is it relevant? Um, and that's another turning point in my career. The manager changed over and probably my biggest challenge yet. Um, I was made redundant at the end of the 2018-19 season, which usually happens if you follow a manager in and or you go in to be a part of that manager's backroom staff, if he goes, the staff <laughs> tend to follow. That's just the way football is. Um, so I had, I had a couple of months out. The time wasn't great for me because it was just 
start of pre-season but you can't change what you can't control so we um, had, had a couple of months out um, I spoke to a few clubs went for some interviews spoke to some people about jobs um, nothing came up and then I got the phone call about here I was a little bit dismissive of it at first I was like oh, I'm an analyst I want to stay as high as I can and um, the, the person who put me in touch here is a really good friend of the chairman and said look they're ambitious they want to they want someone to look after the recruitment and the analysis and that's probably what turned it for me I'd done a bit of recruitment at Nottingham Forest um, I'd done a bit of recruitment at, obviously helping Jack with at Birmingham and I thought I wonder what it'd be like to have a go at doing it myself at a progressive club now a lot of analysts have dropped down a couple of divisions to go and be heads of recruitment or work strongly in recruitment um, and their, their clubs most of them have been successful and I thought maybe maybe there's a little bit of a gap in the market for an analyst to go and be in and, and the chairman's very supportive and backing of my methods and I did a presentation for him um, I said this is how I would run a re- analysis department at this level and how I'd run a recruitment department at this level. And you, you you mentioned before that there are a number of other former analysts that are now the head of recruitment that are now lower in the the league, um, you know, such as yourself. Uh, who are some of the others, just in case people so, are wondering? So um, um, a really good one is Phil Boardman. He he was at Wolves for a long time as a head analysis head of analysis. And he's now at Portsmouth, who obviously did really well last year and yeah. was lucky enough to get promoted. And um, they made some really good signings, and hopefully they can have another go this year. There's a couple of people who I've worked against, so I don't really know too well, but the, 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 the lad at Tranmere is also does head of analysis and recruitment. Yeah. Um, and obviously, they've just done really well going yeah. up out of this league, getting into the playoffs in the league above. Um, and winning them so yeah. they've done really well did they win them? Uh, yeah yeah, yeah they, they won did, yeah, they they went up. Didn't they? Yeah. yeah they went up as well uh, no just because I want to you know shine some some light and give some uh, and I think I think the lad at um, the lad at Forest Green actually um, I've not spoken to him in years to be fair but he when I was at Cheltenham he was an analyst at Tamworth who were in this level and we played against in the FA Cup and they beat us 1-0 and I've not spoken to him since then, but I followed his career a little bit, and I've, he's gone to Forest Green as head of recruitment. And again, they've they've just um, they've just sold a couple of players, haven't they? They've sold a lad to Huddersfield who probably made them a bit of money. So yeah. obviously they're, they're doing when they finished in the playoffs again last year. So I think more people would make the tran- like the transfer. And Joe Joe's very very switched on in terms of recruitment. I know um, the manager at Birmingham was and Derby and Stoke were asking for his opinion a lot and I know he's got a very good eye for a player and like Shay Adams just been sold. So you had a sporting director at Sully Hull for uh, a little while and he um, he left last year and so now you, you've kind of mentioned it but I just want to be kind of uh, I guess a little bit more clear but what is kind of the chain of command at, at this moment do you when you're recruiting players who do you kind of answer to is it to the managers or to the chairman yes the, man, man, the manager picks who he wants in the day and what, what players he wants we we have a little committee school that we'll have a chat yeah. about it the chairman's very heavily involved in it shows there's club sec and system and the coaches we all we all have an open discussion and we have a meeting at least once a month 
you know, something, you know, you talk about Sully Hole being a progressive club and, um, you know, having a sporting director is, in, in my opinion, a, you know, I don't even want to say it's progressive now. It seems like kind of like the norm in, in, in a lot of England. Um, you know, I'm not suggesting that <laughs> you, you go against the club right now and say like, oh, I think we should have a sporting director. But, um, you know, in, in general, are you a fan of the sporting director model or? Yeah. Um... yeah. Um, I, like, I like the sporting director model. Higher up, I see the value massively. I do work in, especially with working with Frank at Forest. He was he was unbelievable at his job. He was really really good, and um, so I learned so much off him as well. Um, I think it, it's key higher up. At this level, we don't have hundreds of staff to look after. We um, don't have hundreds of players to look after. So we're getting by at the minute really well. Um, I'm sure if for whatever reason we weren't we'd reassess and the chairman had reassessed the situation but the minute I've got an open line of communication with the chairman the chairman's got an open line of communication with me the manager we, we all speak to each other so at the minute we're okay the um, football education department are in clear contact with us all the time as well that's that's sort of our academy at the minute so I've just literally that's what I was late meaning because I've just been turning the 19s game <laughs> watching them so um, at the minute we, we're doing well and there's open there's open communication, which I think is key to any anything really. And yeah, until until that changes, I don't. I think we're happy with what we've got at the minute. Uh, to to finish up, because uh, I've taken so much of your time already. Uh, what's kind of been the biggest lesson uh, since you've you've jumped down from the championship to now uh, the fifth division? So uh, in you know non-league football. I sort of feel like you're expecting me to sit here and say that I've had like loads of shocks, but not go back to go on holiday with my dad and my brother again and go into all the non-league games. I, I sort of knew what to expect, and I sort of probably like working lower down as well and the level above here. I knew what to expect in terms of behind the scenes, what's gone on, um, and actually, I, I don't really think there was a non-league club for very long since I've been here because. No, you've seen the stadium, you've seen mm. the infrastructure behind the scenes here. We're not operating like a non-league club at the minute. Um, we are operating like a professional football club and a, a league football club. So the biggest challenge hasn't been anything to do with the infrastructure, the non-leagueness of things. It has literally just been the data, the, the information I can gather at this level is restricted compared to the information gathered higher up. But I sort of knew that was going to be a, yeah. an issue. So I've, with, the, with the scouting model, I've sort of tried to have a different way of getting that information or a yeah. Yeah, just a different way. Um, but no, no, no real like, massive shocks. You, you know games are going to get called off at the last minute sometimes, you know. Um, sometimes, like... Um, I covered a couple of games, so Megan will. Megan's our first team analyst. She travels with the team home and away. And last year she was at uni still, so I covered a couple of games for her last year. So going to gantries that were part um, with no shelter. We had one here for a little bit. We had no shelter, and rain was coming in. And you're trying to film that sort of stuff. But that that sort of stuff you grow up with as, as an analyst, and you you thought sort of um, just get on with that's 
that's probably one of the biggest shocks as well as the uh, the lack of information. Uh, well, I actually, you know, before before uh, we we fi- uh, finish, I totally forgot, but you kind of mentioned it that uh, when you were talking about uh, how you were looking at center backs, and one of the things that you looked for was specifically their goals because you cared a lot about set pieces. You know, that's kind of one of the biggest areas where analysis has changed the game is set pieces. Um, so if you could just talk a little bit about, I guess, your approach to set pieces and analysis. We'd always try and look at, it's like that opposition report I've shown you, we always try and look at how teams set up for set plays, try and not have any shocks during the game. Now, there's always a chance that we're going to turn up on a Saturday, we've watched a team for the last three weeks and they're going to change 11 players and do something. There's always that chance that if you're in the Premier League or whether you're in the Ishman League further down yeah. than us, there's always that chance that however much prep you do, they're going to change because you can't predict the future. However, we try and minimise that surprise. We try and make the players and that aware of all their set plays. So I will watch three, four games worth of their set plays before I um, go into a game. I put their last game set plays on on this match report for the manager. Um, if there's anything different, I'll make him aware of that. Um, so we've had we've had a chat today about um, a future opponent's set plays. But in terms of our own set plays, we analyse every game. So Megan does a fantastic job um, producing a post-match report, and we analyse everything in there. So again, sat down with the manager start of the season and said, right, what what do you look for? What's your style of play, and what do you look for? What do you information do you want after the match? What's going to help improve your training for the week after so we sat down and we analysed our set plays um, almost through his eyes so do, he wants to see it so do wait sorry to interrupt but you, so when you say you analyse your set plays let's just say from last season yeah so do you have like okay I'm just going to make up a name but let's say this the name of this set piece routine was called Thunder yeah and you say do you have in this analysis like how many times that resulted in a shot, goal, you know, uh, chance? Yeah, we we did at the end of last season. We we um, did a full season statistic, like a statistical breakdown of how many shots we had from set plays, corners, free kicks. But, just, but which specific ones? Or no, we did. We didn't. We didn't. Okay. We didn't go into set play A was resulting in this. This was actually probably should have done. Good idea. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll take that one off. Yeah. Uh, no, but we did. We did sit down and. Um, break down how many shots we get from corners from the left from the right on average deep free kicks central free kicks wide free kicks long throws um short throws give and goes that that sort of thing we we broke down into that much detail but actually i'm gonna nick that off there i'm gonna nick that off there off you i think no 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 the reason i say that is because that that's like um they do that in the states for like uh, you know in basketball and and football like they know how much yards per play in football for example this play will will get throughout the season like how much it has gotten before well, like i said to you before I, th- I think it's good for us to learn from other sports and like i've watched a lot of that um the nfl on amazon prime with the um the, what the same similar to what manchester city yeah, all did. or nothing yeah. all or nothing so i've watched a lot of that and you, you do take little bits and bobs even like if a manager's having an interview in the dressing room and they've got all their set plays on the the back wall, or they've got slogans, or they've got a bit tactical information. I'm I'm scanning around, going right. We can have that here, or we can. Mm. And I've spoke about, like I said to you before, we spoke about doing a playbook here. Yeah. To um. 
just keep all the players up to date of all our set plays and all the differences and yeah it's something we, we are looking into at the minute um and <laughs> this really is the, the last question um but do you feel like set pieces are as an analyst you know coming from that background are one of the biggest areas where you can really make a difference you know especially here in in you know non-league where like you don't have all of those other tools that you can use i mean this is still an area that you actually do have lots of control over is the set piece i think so i mean the the, the most basic set piece that we can in, no, I say it's basic it's dangerous but it's just basically the most we had a penalty here the other day and um, me and the goalkeeper coach and Megan Reesby, the analyst, were, um, were in a, this WhatsApp group and I put the penalties up for the player who took it here and, and Booty saved it, the goalkeeper saved it. Now, all we can do is inform him. He, he chooses exactly where he wants to go, he chooses exactly what he wants to do, he can assess the run-up as it's happening because it's completely different, but we can assist him into this is what the player's taken before and luckily it came off, but I've known goalkeepers go the other way and save them. Yeah. Um, when I've said well we've tried videos say yeah it's going the other way um, so we can assist in that um, especially when I'm watching the opposition I can go to the manager and this is another part of working with Jamie at Notts County he used to ask me about set plays and I was like before that I was like oh, no, I don't have anything to do with that I just want to clip my games and be left alone like sort of thing so um, Jamie said well, what, what set plays would you recommend to against this team and I'd tell him, and then you go, okay, why? And then you've got to obviously give a, an answer, and then we'd have a discussion. Um, so yeah, an- analysts can be very beneficial to managers, coaches, and other people to help set plays. And I think set plays are a massive part of the game. Uh, they always have been, haven't they? Really, so. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, letting me take a walk around here. No worries. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the show. If you would like to hear more episodes or see show notes of this episode, please check out my website, www.thisfootballlife.com. And please, if you enjoy the show, share it with a friend, a family member, or a colleague. Hell, tell a stranger if you feel so inclined. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy your day.